Welcome to the journey that is the Let Them Eat Life podcast. In this episode, I talked to Nadia about my surgery in 2007, past diets, and we start to explore the feelings that come up for success and failure. I'm your host, Nicole, an RNY patient that has kept over 100 pounds off for the last decade and a half. Thanks for joining us on this second stop. Relax, enjoy some water, and if you haven't talked to your medical team in a while, think about checking in with them, especially before making any changes. Hi. Hi. Hi, friend. (laughs) Hi, friend. (laughs) What made you decide to get gastric bypass surgery? I felt it was time. It was time to do a drastic change. Time to get off the yo-yo and have something more permanent. What about you? Why did you decide? I was at a point in my life where I had been yo-yoing a lot, but I was also getting sick. I was getting really, really sick a lot and often and more and more. It kept getting worse each time. So if I didn't do something, I'd end up dying. And I decided I didn't want to die. Wow. What kind of sick? The flu. I got I got colds and the flu. And my last time I got sick, the flu was so bad that I had to actually go get put on breathing treatments where I had to be on steroids and inhale adrenaline. It took about a year before I finally was off the inhaler. Wow. From that. Wow. I decided to finally put my health first. Okay. So you had your surgery about 10 years ago? 16. 16 years ago. Well, things were a lot different. Yes. Yes. Luckily, the surgeon that I went to was doing laparoscopic instead of open surgery because originally it was done open where they cut people and just have their guts out completely. But he had been doing laparoscopic for a while. My dad actually worked at the hospital where I had my surgery done. So he knew the surgeon pretty well and knew all the techniques. And that hospital did most of their procedures laparoscopically at that point. 2007, they were still doing appendixes open and gallbladders and stuff. And it was only a few handful of hospitals that were doing the laparoscopic. My dad actually got to watch my doctor perform surgery once and he said it was almost like watching somebody conduct a symphony because the way he moved his hands and his wrists going in and out with using the tools it was an art to it wow and it's interesting because you always think about the science of medicine but not necessarily the art of Mm -hmm. medicine i think part of making things a lot safer everything's much safer when they do the surgery Laparoscopic. Laparoscopic. Just opens the door to so many different infections and then your healing time. Although the worst part of it for me was the gas. The gas. The gas. Pain-wise, the gas. You know, they try to make the surgery easier, so they puff you up. They put all this gas in you. And it just so happened that the weekend I had surgery was when Paris Hilton was at the height of her fame, and she'd gotten a DUI and was in trouble and had to turn herself in to go serve jail time. I'm laying in my hospital bed. There's nothing else on TV. So I'm watching Paris Hilton while I'm feeling this stabbing me in the shoulder. I'd gotten up and walked around a little bit. I spent the night, the night of my surgery in the hospital, trying to do weird yoga move to try and get myself to pass the gas. I have never wanted to fart so bad in my entire life. (laughs) Did the nurses have you walk? They did. We were walking around the floor along with the other people who'd had surgery the same Uh, day. There were like three people that had surgery the same day as me. And there were people that had had surgery the day before. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so we kind of all saw each other walking in the hallway. Okay. 
My doctor actually did perform sleeves back then, but he'd only done about five patients. I don't know why it wasn't really popular then and why it's so popular now. The lap band just, it didn't seem... I knew a lot of people that that I'd met at his office that had had conversions, that had gone from a lap band and then got the RNY later. It just seemed like there were a lot of complications with it. It could get twisted inside of you. There was a port that I was going to have to commit to going into the office often to get it the band refilled or adjusted Mm. and it just seemed like a lot of extra stuff because my dad had had the procedure and I'd already seen him go through it I felt okay with what happens to a person when they have an RMY because I'd already seen it I was living with them when he had his surgery and that first year he went through it before I had mine I think a lot of the changes have been for the better the technology's gotten better oh yeah they've been able to follow patients better There's a lot more literature and there's a lot more, you know what to look out for now, Mm -hmm. where back then they didn't necessarily, I mean, they knew to do your lab work and they knew to keep an eye on things, but now they know more specifically what they need to look at with people's calcium or their iron and all of that. Right. So it seems like it's very, it's very manageable, the complications that, that go along with it, or if it's just not even complications, just what you have to monitor. Right. And your expectations, what you're expected to take your vitamins, stay away from sugars and fats, the dumping. (laughs) Talk about that soon. Yes, it was a big commitment and I knew I was making a lifelong commitment to my health, but I also knew I needed to do that. In the program I was in, they did have a support group component to it. You could go, it was about 30 miles north. So we we would drive up and you could do twice a week. There was one of them that was group therapy. And then there was another one that was classes, nutritional classes and stuff. I found that really helpful. Mm-hmm. The other part of 2007 versus now is social media has completely changed. I mean, we mm-hmm. barely had MySpace and Facebook was just starting. Wow. What's MySpace? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm had, showing our age. By I the way. know I had, I had a Facebook account back then but only because the school that i went to was one of the first seven that had facebook so to sign up for it you had to have a dot edu account and you had to have an identity verification where you had to click and say these people know me in real life and then they had to say yes this person is who they say they are based on their photographs and their email address so facebook when it first started was a lot safer because of the identity verification (laughs) that you knew who these people said they were they were actually them. We didn't have online support groups. We, mm-hmm. we didn't have the Instagram stuff. I guess we did have the technology to have podcasts, but nobody thought to do yeah. it, thought that. Most of the older podcasts that you look at, they were all started by doctors. Mm-hmm. It's only been really since the pandemic that you can find people talking about it. I know for me, I can pinpoint when I started gaining weight and I'll get into all of that stuff later because that's connected to like needing actual hardcore therapy. I was 12 or 13 when I started gaining weight and I had the surgery when I was 26. So I was almost 15 years of not actually dealing with the roots of any of my issues. But in the not dealing with my actual issues, there were a lot of adventures. (laughs) (laughs) There's so many books. I think I still have a few of them that I probably should just, I I don't believe in book burning, but maybe diet books. (laughs) 
<laughs> if I was going to do one, it would be the diet books. <laughs> there was a f- how to eat like a French woman. And there was another one that was like the raw food diet. Uh-huh. Maybe that, that was a big uh, one. I did one. Gosh, I can't even remember what it what it was it might have been like atkins before atkins was atkins mm-hmm. where you couldn't have any sugar at all two weeks with no fruit toast no bread no oh. tomatoes no carrots Ooh. no anything wow but it wasn't like whole 30 i can't even remember i think it was eat lettuce that i had to wash in something whatever but the first diet i can remember going on was when i was in high school and i went on jenny craig and even then i wasn't that big i was probably maybe a size 12 and yeah okay i'm 5'3 i'm a short person but i maybe weighed 170 at 5'3 the doctors want me to be between 120 and 130 i'm very happy at 130 right now i've post pandemic i'm up a little bit but i'm you know slowly working on on getting that off but i'm not on a diet i'm stepping back into my protocol i'm counting my water again i'm looking at my protein i'm not eating and drinking at the same time because you know 16 years post-op sometimes you get absent-minded and you start doing stuff like that and it's like okay wait take a step back what what am i doing i'm eating like a regular person instead of eating like a gastric bypass person Mm -hmm. but it's not Mm -hmm. oh let me find some fad diet to go jump on it's okay what can i do to up my protein how do i set myself up for success by bringing healthy stuff for me to eat at work Mm -hmm. and that kind of a thing i even at one point had dr phil's book of like the keys to success with weight loss. Yeah, Still, you can burn that one. Yeah. <laughs> Still not dealing with the root of the issues that I had some psychological stuff going on that I didn't want to deal with because I wasn't having healthy relationships. And until I dealt with those issues and wanted to start having healthy relationships, my fat was my protection. But I hadn't made that connection and my family was oblivious to what was going on. So they didn't know that I was suffering inside dealing with all kinds of horrible emotions and that I was doing everything I could to just sink into the background Mm. and until I healed that I couldn't even start to lose weight because that was the thing that was protecting me Mm -hmm. but were there any like Mm -hmm. really crazy wow mirrors we're mirroring each other (laughs) I'm just mm -hmm with a mirror crazy diets you tried drinking anything weird I even did the master cleanse at one point do you know what that is where where you like chug a whole thing of lemon water with cayenne pepper and a um, maple syrup. Yeah, I've done that one too. <laughs> <laughs> Little did I know, it was hypoglycemic, and then oh, that geez. just shot up my sugar. And so that was not probably a good thing. That one made me run to the bathroom a lot. Right. <laughs> you started in high school. I started probably in elementary school. Seriously, I've always been a chubby child, Mm -hmm. chubby teenager, chubby young adult. Moms would always put me on some sort of a diet. I'm always, always, always on some sort of a diet. But yet at night, here's a big thing of carbohydrates, bowl of carbohydrates, not watching the fat, not watching the sugar, because I didn't know. You didn't learn. I didn't learn. Nobody, I don't even think my mom knew. Yeah. We just knew to go on a diet. Mm-hmm. So diets for me started early. I'd pop diet pills as a teenager. Of course, they didn't work. So there was always some fad going on with me. Like you were saying, yeah, my fat was my protection. I had a great personality. 
but that fat was just my protector. And then, you know, as time went on, people are becoming more accepting of uh, full-figured women, you know, more body mass. I was trying to get on that train Mm -hmm. to be more self-accepting and self-loving, but I knew I could be better, but I just didn't know when and how. And then my bad habits didn't help because I'm a bored eater. I eat when I'm bored. I guess that's an emotion. I don't know. Um, yeah. But I'm not a sad eater, not a happy eater. I'm always happy when I eat, though. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Um, it was always some diet. And then in my adulthood, I jumped on some MLMs. And I'm not going to say the names of them now just because I don't want to throw them under the bus. Or have people go look them up. Or have people go look them up. <laughs> They're pricey. Yeah, yeah, they are. Uh, they're pricey. You know, that would work for a time being. Then I was tired of the powdered food mm-hmm. or there's not real food. It's not tangible. It's not sustainable. It's not sustainable. After I, you know, come off of that, then there goes the weight creeping back up again. Well, usually with me, it was even more. Gay would creep back up plus some. Right. So it was just constant yo-yo, constant defeating of my own self almost sabotaging, Mm self-sabotaging. But right, I had to do some inner work. Actually, the inner work came as I got older as well. And I learned how to see myself as Mm -hmm. myself, accept myself. No, I want something better, healthier. Knowing you deserve better too. And I deserve it. I deserve to go into my later years healthier rather than constantly fighting myself. But then I see people like Lizzo out there just shaking and dancing with all her glory. Sometimes I want to be like that. I want to shake my shake my fat in everybody's face. <laughs> Which is fine as long as you don't have knee problems, as long as you don't have a heart condition, as long as you don't have the diabetes and the co-issues going along with it. Right. You know, there are people that are healthy. Yes. At a larger size. Yes. But I know that wasn't my reality. And my age, you know, I'm, I'm creeping up, mm-hmm. I'm getting up there. The Perry. The Perry's on the way. The Perry's there, baby. <laughs> I knew things were going to start slowing down metabolically. Mm-hmm. Getting a hold of it now was imperative. Well, I'm succeeding now. Mm-hmm. So... I'm not afraid of it. (laughs) What do you mean by that? Fear of success. I think there have been so many times in my life looking back now where I could see where I sabotaged myself. Mm. Where either like sabotaging happiness or sabotaging like something was going so well. Like different diets. I hadn't done the inner work yet. So I was trying to lose weight, but I hadn't healed myself. So I was always going to gain my weight back because that was my protection. So I was afraid of being successful because the minute I lost weight, I started getting attention, which was a thing that I didn't want because I wanted to protect myself to make sure I didn't end up in an abusive situation. So I was afraid of success without realizing it because I wasn't dealing with the root of the issue. And I know it's something that comes up a lot. Are you more afraid of failing? Or are you more afraid of being successful? There's that quote, the Marianne, what's her face of like, our greatest fear isn't the darkness, it's our light. It's a good question to ask yourself every once in a while and reflect, am I afraid of being successful at something? And what Hmm. what goes along with that? Wow, that's such a a deep question. 
for me personally. Yeah, because most people are like, well, are you afraid of not succeeding? At one point, it talked about your family and how they were telling you about all these different people's failures. Mm -hmm. What does it mean to succeed? Wow, I'm still chewing on that. I think when I reach my goal, Mm -hmm. which my personal goal is 160, that not being able to maintain that and then feeling disappointed later. Mm -hmm. I think I'm afraid of when I do get to that goal of failing. Mm -hmm. Where the reality of the surgery is you're probably going to get to that goal and then lose another 10 pounds. You're probably going to blow past it because that's what happened with me. They wanted me between 120 and 130, and I was shooting for, like, 145. And then I got down to 120 or 125. That didn't scare you? Oh, it did. It scared the crap out of me. I can remember being at a gas station, pumping gas, and it feeling someone's eyes on me, turning around and looking, and this age-appropriate, attractive guy was watching me pump gas and smiled at me and this, like, cold feeling going through my body of I've spent so much time trying to not get attention and now I'm getting it mm-hmm. and then having to reconcile that. Mm. I had the unfortunate experience. After I got to my goal weight and I was maintaining, I got a stomach flu. I was probably at a year and a half and I ended up getting down to 109 pounds. Mm. which is very, very thin. I was in contact with my doctor's office. They knew, and we were talking about different strategies to help me gain weight in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. And I have to say, of this whole journey, that was the biggest, hardest obstacle, was forcing myself to gain 15 pounds after losing 120, hitting my goal, and then losing another 15. Wow. And then having a thing where I saw a bunch of my friends at the time and then being worried and concerned that I had purposely gotten that small when I hadn't because I couldn't eat for two weeks because of the stomach flu. My doctor's office and the nutritionist, they were trying to get me to do peanut butter, tablespoons of peanut butter throughout the day. And I just, I just, I couldn't do it. I tried and I couldn't. So what I ended up doing was I got pure cream, whipped cream, Uh and I would put that in my tea, my caffeine-free coffee. That's what helped me get the weight back on. Hmm. I maintained for a long time, but at different points of time, I've fluctuated. I've gone up 20 pounds. Right now, I'm up 30 pounds. That I'm going back to the protocol, to getting my water in, getting my protein in to get to get back down. But it's very possible that a lot of people do that. They get to their goal weight, their goal weight, and then they actually hit their doctor's goal weight. Hmm. Because most people will shoot above where their doctor says their BMI should be because it's like, I can't possibly be that small. Yeah, that's where my thinking is. You know, a lot of us think that way that, oh, well, and you'll hear people say like, oh, well, BMI is this and BMI is that and we put too much weight on it. And, you know, there's different debates of like, how do you judge what is actually a healthy weight for a person? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But what happens when you actually get into that weight range? And then I got smaller Mm. and I had to gain it back so yeah for me that was the hardest part wow was was going through that but yeah it was a it was a lot I mean I went through a lot that that year and you know you're still going you're still like right at the beginning yeah right at the beginning where it's like okay did I get all my water in not like 
okay, now somebody said hi to me and smiled and I felt weird and I'm going to go cry because I can't go pound a milkshake because I have these emotions that I don't want to be feeling and dealing with. Mm-hmm. I guess going back to what you said is what's, what am I scared of being successful? I think at this point, being three months out, when I get to that goal weight, I might feel a little scared, mm-hmm. you know, scared of going back to old ways and scared of sabotaging the progress. But stay tuned. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I know because definitely the, the people I've met along the way that, that really struggled hadn't done the inner work or were struggling with the inner work or weren't getting the extra help. For the inner work, I always tell people it's never about the food. The more you try to make it work, it's not about the food. It was never about the food, right? Ever. Hey, Nadia. Yes. You know, we are here at the Eat Life podcast to entertain people and maybe teach them a couple things along the way. Uh huh. But you know what? We're not what doctors. <laughs> <laughs> That is true. And you know what? That makes us not responsible for any choices that they make with their health. But all of this is our own opinions, our own experiences, any guests that we might have on. It's all of their own personal experiences and opinions. And we assume no liability for anything. Right. You guys, anybody listening to this should be consulting their medical professionals and their doctors about exercise, nutrition, medication, and therapy. Therapy. Hey, we love therapy. Therapy with a professional is awesome. We're here to teach people and share our experiences with you as well. And have a little fun along the way. Make sure you're talking to your team and your people. Yes, because we don't know what we're talking about. Not not professional. Not professional. <laughs> <laughs> cool.